What's up, guys? It's Luke. I hope you get a lot out of this awesome message. I'm, I'm actually really, really excited for this message. I'm not going to lie. Um, sometimes I'm preaching, and uh, I mean, I'm always excited to teach, but uh, there's some messages where, you know, I'm more, if it's more of not a bad burden, but like, a, oh, man, I really like need to get this across. But today I just feel I'm excited because I don't get, I don't teach on this kind of stuff a lot. Um, and uh, I'll explain what I'm talking about in a minute. And we are continuing today <clears throat> in our series uh, through our vision series, but we're starting for the next three weeks talking about reaching people. We talked about pursuing God, equipping believers, equip, being equipped, basically. And today we're talking about reaching our world. And I'm stoked because next Sunday we have uh, Rob Payne, one of our leaders, speaking. And then the Sunday after that, Sandra's going to be speaking. So it's going to be a good time. I'm excited for it. But today uh, we are going to be talking about the found and the lost. That's the title of today's talk, the found and the lost. Let's pray one more time and then get into it. Heavenly Father, thank you. Lord, thank you um, that this gospel, this good news about Jesus is not just for us. Lord, you died so that the world would come to know you, that every tongue and tribe and people and village and city and language and ethnicity would come to know you. And Lord, make us vessels of this message today. Amen. I'm going to dive right into it. Um, I had something that I was going to say. Oh, I'm going to pause really quick. So I don't know why I'm talking about this, but I'm just going to say it anyways. I really appreciate, even when we've closed worship, that Luke said, hey, let's take 10 seconds really quick um, just to kind of pause and yield to God what you've been going through. And uh, I've been feeling super just like, anxious and uh, impatient, especially my poor wife. I just, I'm, I've just been so impatient, not necessarily with her, but just in general at things. Um, Cause we've, you know, we've been moving and a lot's been going on. I just haven't really been resting well. And this morning it was just, and I'm sharing this as a testament to what this should look like, but it's those moments like Pastor Luke talking about, just take a second and yield it over to God. And I was just saying, God, this morning you can have my impatience and my restlessness, I, I just, I give it to you. And I felt just this peace, even just in a moment. And those are the moments where we can just, it's, 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 it's as simple as we're handing something to God, but we're just doing it with our spirit. We're literally saying, God, this tension and the friction in my life, I'm giving it over to you. So I wanna encourage you, even when we close in worship, do that, participate in that, and yield over to God whatever you're carrying, because man, I'm carrying some stuff that I need God to carry. But uh, I'm going to dive into the actual message. So, in the midst of the miracle of salvation often exists the tragedy of keeping it to oneself. I know that's a very big statement, but I'm going to read it again. In the midst or in the middle of the miracle of salvation often exists the tragedy of keeping it to oneself. The gospel is designed to be received and poured out. The gospel, this good news about Jesus that most of us are living in, we've given our lives to God. We've said, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I wanna follow you. I need you to forgive me of my sins because I've messed up in, many, in more ways than I can count. But God, I confess them to you, commit to following you. 
I receive everything you have for me, joy and peace, the Holy Spirit, the whole shebang, right? We come into this covenant with God and it's beautiful, this miracle of salvation, but within that miracle often exists the tragedy of keeping it to ourselves. The gospel is designed to be received and poured out to others. The hope of Jesus isn't just for you, it's for your neighbor and their neighbor and their neighbor as well. The hope of Jesus, the gospel, this good news that we live in is not just for you. It's for your neighbor and their neighbor and their cousin and their aunt and their grandma and their grandma's best friend. That's who it's for. I want to give you a little analogy really quick. Imagine being in a prison God forbid any of us are ever in prison. Just go with me, okay? If you ever land yourself in prison, call me, okay? Because <laughs> we'll come pray with you, all right? Probably not going to bail you out, but I'm going to pray with you, okay? But uh, God forbid, right? But just go with me in the analogy. Imagine we're all in a prison cell, and somebody comes in. Your, your family's there. Your friends are there. Everybody that you care about is there. And they're all in their individual cells. And some random, super nice, amazing dude shows up at the prison one day with a master key. And he comes up to your prison cell and he goes, hey, I've got a key for you to get out. And he slides it through the little door. And you're like, no way, bro. That's so sick. This is awesome. I've been in this prison. Now I'm out. Let's go. You unlock the door and you open it up and you see all the jail cell doors down the hall with your mom and your grandma and your cousins and your friends, the people that you do life with. And you got the master key, the master key. And you can go and offer that key to whoever you want. That's also in a jail cell. But imagine that we just shut the door behind us, put the key in our pocket, and we leave. This is why we need to have hearts for evangelism because so often we receive the master key, so to speak, but we don't share it with the ones that are also in prison because we were in it too and God has set us free. He's unlocked the door. We are free to go, free to live with Jesus, free from our sin and the power of death, yet we don't share that master key with those around us. I want to ask us a question. Do we actually believe that there's eternity with Christ and eternity separated from him? Do we actually believe that? And yes, I'm going to use the words. Do we believe in heaven and hell? We do not like talking about hell in church because everybody gets all nervous and they're like, I don't want to think about that. I want to talk about that. And there's a lot of debate over what hell actually looks like. I will tell you this. The Bible talks more about hell than it does about heaven. But do we actually believe that after this life, there is an eternity, that means a forever, either with Christ or separated from him? Because if we believe that, it changes the way that we share our faith. It changes the way that we do evangelism. It changes the way that we reach people and attempt to reach people. Because if I just believe that believing in Jesus just makes my life better and makes me feel joyful and a little bit happier, and it's just a little cherry on top improvement to my life, and you know I'll try to 
talk to other people every once in a while and offer them prayer or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's not that big of a deal. We're all probably just going to end up in the same place for all of eternity. If we believe that, then there's no point in sharing our faith. There's a fancy word for it. It's called universalism. And it's actually, unfortunately, becoming rampant in the evangelical church. This kind of church where we talk about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. We talk about God, the Father, and the Son, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit being the Trinity, God three in one. When we talk about classic doctrines of Christianity, in those kinds of churches right now, there is this doctrine coming in of universalism that, well, God would never send people to hell for all eternity. He would never do that because God is love. Yes, God is love, but he is also justice. He also cares about making the wrong things right and the the right things of the world wrong. If we actually believed that there's eternity with Christ and eternity separated from him, it changes the way that we reach people. I want to give you a scripture, 2 Thessalonians 1, um, in the second part of verse 8 and 9, bringing judgment on those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with eternal destruction. Ugh, don't like that verse. Be punished with eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. Okay, we love the scriptures talking about how God loves and, and we love reading Luke 15 about how he left the 99 for the one and the prodigal son coming home to the father. We love scriptures like that. We love John 15 talking about I'm the vine and you're the branches abide in me. We love talking about how much God loves and he cares and he nurtures and he's with us and he's for us and there's victory in his name and all that. But this is also the Bible that there is a reality for all eternity of heaven and hell being in the presence of God. The Bible says that absent, being absent from the body is to be present with the Lord as far as those who believe in Jesus. A few weeks ago, I was uh, talking with some pastor friends and I was kind of surprised actually at just the, the differences of opinion with eternity and stuff like this. But at one point, it was just this long texting thread. People were talking about hell and eternity and everything. And one of my friends sent a text and he was like, because they were all sending quotes of like, well, this is what this theologian thinks. And this pastor thinks this. And one of my friends, I appreciate it. He's like, I don't care what those guys say. What do you guys think? What do you guys believe? And the first thing that came to mind about, for me was this, that the cross saves us for somewhere amazing and from somewhere not amazing. The cross, believing in Jesus, saves us for somewhere amazing. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. But the cross also saves us from somewhere not amazing, from somewhere terrifying. Jesus said there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I know this is a heavy, heavy topic, but I need us to understand that eternity is not just with God. Eternity is obviously with God for us as Christians. But we gotta believe and understand that there are billions, with a B, billions of people on track to be separated from their creator for all eternity. This is a tough, 
doctrine to get around, but it is just as scriptural, just as true as the death and resurrection of Jesus. Okay? So how do we reach people with our faith? How do we reach people? If this is our vision for the church, and not only our vision for the church, but this is the, the great commission, read Matthew 28 and Acts, uh, and Acts 1.8. This is literally Jesus's commencement, his commission to the disciples. He goes, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So how do we reach people with our faith? Number one, our words. Romans 10, 17, for, so faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. And then earlier in Romans 10, 14, honestly, you should just go home and read all of Romans 10. That's your homework assignment. Just go read Romans 10. Romans 10, 14, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they even believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Unfortunately, as Christians, we often just rely on just trying to be a good person, just trying to be nice and be cordial and just get along with everybody and just be nice to the barista at Starbucks and just try to nice our way through. And hopefully at some point, in some period of time, somebody's gonna be like, hey, there's something different about you. And you're like, yeah, it's God, it's Jesus. Do you wanna hear the gospel? And we just hope that it's just maybe at some point going to happen. And I am the first in line to be guilty of this. But family, there is a commissioning on us to use our words to reach the lost. We gotta get comfortable in an uncomfortable zone. We gotta get comfortable breaking out of comfortable. Have you ever said the name Jesus to an unbeliever? Have you ever shared your faith openly with somebody who did not share your faith? I know this is a tough question, and this is not to condemn you. This is to encourage us. There are millions and billions out there who are waiting for Christians to be bold to share their faith. Tell a story really quick. I was, uh, it's about a year ago, I was sitting just randomly. It was a Monday morning. I had to go get my oil changed. I'm sitting at Jiffy Lube in the morning, and, uh, I was reading this book. I love reading books about old Christian dead dudes. And this dude, this dude's name was St. Francis of Assisi. Um, and he was just, just this amazing uh, Christian. That's, that's all I got to say. He's just this amazing dude. So I'm reading his biography. And I'm, I'm sitting there reading, and this, this woman just randomly comes up to me. I'm sitting outside on this little bench waiting for my car to be done. I'm reading my book. And this woman comes over to me. And she sees the title of the book. I think it's Reluctant Saint. She comes over to me. She asks, hey, what, what's that book that you're reading? I was like, oh, it's about this, this guy. He's, a, um, he's an old, like a saint, just kind of Christian dude, Christian leader uh, from a long time ago. And she's like, oh, that's really interesting. And, I was, and she's like, tell me more about that. And I was like, well, like this, this book is all about how this guy, like, you know, was just all about himself and about serving himself and, and just pleasure and enjoyment. And he just lived this life of partying, but then he had this radical encounter with God and God changed him. And he just devoted his entire life to serving people and, and serving Jesus. And she was like, wow, that's, that's amazing. And she sat down and she was like, are you, are you a Christian? And I was like, yeah, I am. I am a Christian. 
And we got into this whole conversation talking about church and serving and how the goal of my life is not to serve myself, it's to serve other people. The woman's name was Okina. And we ended up exchanging numbers and uh, I invited her to come to our church. And I think maybe at some point her and her fiance came to our church. But you know what's crazy? A year later, she still texts me every once in a while. It was this, this bizarre thing. She she's like randomly texts me, just asks me about, uh, when's your next church service? What's going on? All because of this conversation where, and I'm not trying to boast, but this conversation where somebody asked me the question, are you a Christian? And I said, yes, I am a Christian. Let's talk about it. I can't help but think what, would have, what, what experience I would have missed out on if I would have just said, well, I mean, yeah, I'm a Christian. Like, yeah, I do the, the God thing, but uh, anyways, my car's done. Got to go. You know what I mean? We got to be open to these kinds of conversations. I so believe in street evangelism, like going up to random people and talking about our faith. I believe in that. But I am also pro not being weird and asking God to open up conversation with non-saved people in my life. Listen to this. We have to break free from closet Christianity. We have to break free from being a closet Christian. Where the only people that know that I follow Jesus are the people that I go to church with on Sunday and Wednesday and Thursday. Do other kids at your school, and yes, I'm talking about Christian schools too, do other kids at your school know that you love Jesus as much as you do? And I know, I've heard it a million times, but it's so hard to be a Christian nowadays. Dude, it's always been hard to be a Christian. (laughs) It's never not been hard to be a Christian. Praise God, sorry, I'm gonna get graphic for a second. Praise God that we're not in the Roman Empire under Nero, getting our heads lopped off and being put on a stake and burned alive for our faith. I know that's graphic, but man, we think it's hard to be a Christian Talk to the, Jew, the, the Messianic Jews in the first century who they said the name of Jesus in public and they were destroyed instantly, crucified, burned at the stake, tortured, all because they had the boldness to say, Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords in my life. We think it's hard to be a Christian. We've seen nothing yet, guys. And I don't say that to scare you. I say, to, I say that to actually encourage you We gotta break free from being ashamed. Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul, yes, he had a life full of hardship and suffering and and persecution and ridicule for his faith, but I can't even imagine the celebration when he walked through those, those gates in heaven. Well done, my good and faithful. I'm not saying that we got to stand up on a lunch table with a megaphone shouting at people like the guy on the street corner. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is is that let's not shy away from verbalizing, I belong to Jesus. And yes, I'm talking about using our words. The second way that we reach people with our faith is through our actions. Matthew 5, 13 through 16, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. 
No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it, where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your goods, good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Father in heaven. I'm gonna read that last verse again. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. There's this famous quote it's unattributed. They don't know who said this originally, but it's preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. Now we just finished talking about how we need to use our words and I'm gonna talk more about that in a second, but I love the mindset of preaching the gospel with my actions. The way that I engage with people, the way that I do life, the way that I respond to people, the way that I treat the barista at Starbucks, the way that I treat the person at Burger King. Why do I say that? Because I ate Burger King yesterday and I don't feel good, okay? Why do I? <laughs> we got to understand that it's, it's not just our words, but it's the way in which we live our life. Does the way that you live your life preach the gospel loudly? I'm talking to somebody this morning. Does the way that you live your life preach the gospel as loudly as your words do? Because you never know who's watching. Imagine for a second, if there was somebody, I'll just personalize it. There's somebody that I'm sharing, well, this is not a real story, so just go with me. What I'm about to say doesn't actually happen, okay? But imagine that there's somebody in my life that I'm working on. I'm trying to minister to, trying to share the gospel with, I'm praying for them, you know, I'm, and I'm saying the words, and I'm, I'm sharing my faith. Bro, come home to Jesus. Dude, just uh, give this stuff to God. Yes, you've made mistakes, you messed up, but man, come on home to him. And I'm saying all the right stuff, but then one day he walks in a, walks in a Phil's coffee, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just absolutely cussing out the person that made my drink wrong. And I'm just throwing an adult tantrum, and I'm just going off on this person. And he's walking in, and he's expecting to see the person that's preaching the gospel living the gospel. But I'm actually living the antithesis of the gospel, mistreating and abusing and cursing. What do you think that does? I want to say this, your actions validate your words. Your actions validate your words. We need action and words. I need to verbally share my faith, but also live my faith to reach people. I'm going to do, I'm going to do a little puzzle really quick. You ready? Just track with me. If I say that I love Jesus but don't live like I love Jesus, people will only witness another example of a hypocrite. If I live like I love Jesus, but I don't say that I love Jesus, people will witness yet another good, nice, decent person, yet without hearing the message of the gospel. Yet if I say I love Jesus and live like I love Jesus, I will win souls for Christ. It's action and it's words. It's reaching with my words and it's saying, I'm going to live this message, not just say the right words. And it's not just saying, I'm gonna live this message but never say the words. Like I said, if I just live 
the gospel and I'm kind and forgiving and generous and sincere and there for people and rooting people on. That's amazing, but people are just gonna see another really nice, decent, good person. So at some point, friends, we need to get comfortable saying, you know why I do all this stuff? It's because of the transformative work that Jesus has done in my life. The last way that we reach people, and this is actually the most important, not the last important, it's, it's the most important, and it's prayer. Romans 10.1, therefore, or sorry, dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. Paul in Romans 10, by the way, context, he's talking about how uh, he's drawing this narrative of how uh, Gentiles and, and the people of Israel, God's people in the Old Testament, all, like they all need the gospel. They've all messed up. They've all fallen short. We're all sinners and we all need to hear the gospel. But in Romans 10, he's particular, particularly talking about the people of Israel. But here he says, the longing of my heart and the prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. Matthew 9, 37. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. That was such a great message. If you are interested in connecting with us, please check out our website at theroxyacom slash youth or text The Rock Youth MS or The Rock Youth HS to 33222 for texting updates on everything we have going on here at The Rock Youth or follow us on Instagram at The Rock Church YTH. We'll see you guys next time.